welcome to the Record Rangers podcast, coming to you from isolated houses <laughs> in the middle of Glasgow. Um, I'm Johnny McFarland today, I'm joined as ever by Scott McDermott. We are working from home, as I assume many of those of you who are listening will also be doing. And uh, we're going to go through all your latest Rangers news. Apologies about the delay in getting this podcast out to you. We have had a few technical issues trying to arrange something that doesn't sound like it was recorded on a submarine. <laughs> Scott, how are you coping with the, the, the shutdown? Uh, just about coping, Johnny. It's not easy uh, working from home with two young kids running about, as you can as you can imagine. Um, listen, I think everybody's just kind of getting on with it at the moment. Um, I think there's still... The worrying thing is I think it's still kind of early stages where we are getting on with it and... Uh, everybody's doing their best, but it's just uh, trying not to think too far ahead. But the thought of still being in this situation come kind of May June is pretty pretty scary. But listen, what can we do? We just need to just need to go on mate, and stay safe. Absolutely, absolutely, that is uh, definitely the case. And just everybody who is uh, listening, just keep yourself safe, uh, stay indoors as much as you can, and follow government advice. Right, um, we've got plenty of Rangers news to get st- stuck into. Not least the fact that Dave King has departed as chairman. He's obviously still an investor in the club, um, still owns uh, a shareholding. What do you think uh, will be Mr. King's legacy, Scott? He did say at the AGM in November that he would be leaving in March, and he has left in March. Now, I suppose the, the, the train of thought could be... Well, yes, you did say you were going, but is this the time to be following through, given the kind of disruption that we're seeing across football? What was your take on that? Well, I mean, listen, people will say that, and there might be a there might be an argument for it, but unless you know, kind of Dave King's personal circumstances, with his, you know businesses in South Africa and how they've been impacted by by what's happening. Um, I think it'd be a wee bit unfair um, to be to be critical, as you say. He did say he was going in March. <clears throat> he stuck to that plan. Um, I think in a perfect world, uh, the plan would have been for him to go, just as you no know, new investment was was secured. Um, he would have felt uh, have felt good about going at that point, um, knowing that he was leaving everything, um, you know, in good hands and in good health. I think the the coronavirus crisis has thrown everything up up in the air. No, not just for Dave King or Rangers, but for every every club, but every every business person in the land. So it's a really uncertain time for everyone. But I mean, I'm only going by by statement and what I've what I've read coming out of Rangers. But it seems to be that you no, know, it's pretty desperate times for him in terms of what's going on in South Africa. Obviously, we know government. <clears throat> or very little government help over there for, for businesses. So I think he felt he had to go. He feels that he's leaving it in good hands in, in terms of uh, Douglas Park and, and Jim Bennett. And I think there is no new investment on the horizon. We've all kind of read about it. We've seen the names, or some of the names being mentioned. But I think just at this particular time, um, because of everything that's happened, that, that as we all know is totally unprecedented. Um, it maybe doesn't look quite as good as what, what Dave, Dave King would have hoped for, but I think to, to be critical of him for kind of bailing out uh, as such to, to go back, uh, to effectively go back home is a wee bit 
critical and as a wee bit unfair, sorry. And in terms of the the legacy, listen, he, he would have loved to have left Rangers as kind of no Premiership champions, uh, a couple of trophies uh, in the cabinet since he since he took over. That hasn't happened, but I think on and off the park there has you no know, been big strides made. Um, and in terms of how fans and that will remember him, I mean, I, I think if you speak to most, or certainly the Rangers fans I've spoken to, they still you know they hold the guy in very high regard. He's seen as the as the guy who came in and saved Rangers and that an hour of need, if you like, uh, along with, with Paul Murray and, and John Gilligan. So um, I think he's very well thought of. And you know, although he's gone back to South Africa to kind of deal with his own business, as you say, he still has a, a large shareholding in Rangers. So he'll still very much have a uh, have an influence in there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you've got to think with uh, Dave King, it, it's about the the strides that have been taken, as you've alluded yeah. to, uh, in terms of what he walked into. I remember not long before he took over at Ibrox, I was there for a game against St. Johnson, um, and there was about 12,500 there for a cup yeah. game, or I think it was a midweek. I, I mean, that is absolutely unheard of yeah. uh, in terms of to get that, that lack of backing for, from fans. That showed you the disconnect that was there at the club with the previous um, owners that were there. And... Yeah he's brought that back together and, and the club is in a completely different place. But there is no doubt, Scott, that he is leaving at a time when the club is facing its its biggest challenge Without since doubt, yeah. 2012. Yeah. This is not just Rangers, of course, that are facing this. This is well, it's almost an existential crisis for the whole of Scottish football and European yeah. football at large. Yeah. Now we've got Douglas Park and John Bennett coming in as uh, chairman and vice chairman, respectively. They have got an absolutely huge job on their hands to keep this ship on its course, don't they? I mean, you're talking about significant investment is going to be required. And one of the things that stuck out to me from Dave King's statement, he was talking about the potential investment from Stuart Gibson being on hold. But then that was contradicted slightly by Rangers' statement themselves when they said Rangers is pleased to confirm that the funding plan announced at the recent AGM is well advanced with significant investment already received and further commitments in place. There's a slight, just a slight um, mismatch between those statements, wasn't there? Yeah, listen, that's the big worry is that commitments that were made um, at a time of stability um, might be putting some doubt now, now, now we don't know, know what's going on behind the scenes in terms of you know, these agreements that have been put in place. Are they are they binding? Um, can they be changed? Obviously, the financial landscape um, is is very different now to what it was when, when possibly these, these commitments were made by people like Stuart Gibson and, and potentially others. So that's the big worry for Rangers. There's no there's no getting away from that. As you say, you no, know, every club will be affected, but when you look at Rangers case in particular, you no, know, when you're a club who are you no know, sourcing investment and you no know, from the outside it looks as if they are very close to getting that. If you take Stuart Gibson alone, you no know, the, the the talk of uh, you no know, potentially twenty million pounds worth of investment, you no know, a huge sum of money. 
know, to think that that might be in doubt because of this uh, because of this outbreak, um, which is affecting the whole world, it would be you no. Know, it's a it's a big blow to Rangers, uh, big blow to the board. You no, know, they will believe that they can still get it through, but unless we we know about the negotiations and you no know, the the kind of no, how how strong the commitment was, how binding it is, then it's all a bit like everything now. It's all a bit uncertain and a bit unclear now. And I think for Douglas Park and and John Bennett going in, that will be no, that's that is their biggest job. I mean, as you say, it's to keep it's to keep them above water, but also to try and uh, no, try and force through these uh, these investments or make sure that these investments happen. Um, to try and you know, safeguard Rangers' future and, and take them on to the next, the next level. We had Neil Lennon talking in the paper this morning about the potential situation at Celtic that is unfolding and there could be some movement there in terms of the player wages. We've seen Barcelona making wage cuts. Uh, we've, seen Bar- we've seen Bayern Munich doing the same thing. We've seen Hearts looking to make 50% cuts. Hibs are talking about deferrals. There is a, a pan-European situation in terms of player wages, given there yeah. is no football going on. Is that something that you would expect to see at Ibrox, whether it be deferrals, whether it be cuts, something to stem the financial tide yeah. in terms of the big money that's going out the door on player wages? I think something will have to give Johnny for every club <clears throat> and Rangers are certainly no no different. Um, I'm not sure about cuts. I think the deferrals... Uh, no, that kind of that type of scenario uh, might be the most likely if this um, if this lockdown is going to last for uh, you no know, for anything up to, to six months as well as we're led to believe, then that's a major issue for for any club with no no income coming in. Um, I think most players would appreciate. Uh, that situation um, hard for anybody to accept a, a pay cut. Uh, no matter what the what the circumstances, but in terms of maybe deferring wages until the season starts up again, uh, or certainly defer a percentage of the wages. I know Hibs are looking at kind of between uh, thirty and fifty percent wage deferrals, um, which which doesn't seem too unfair given the given these unprecedented uh, circumstances. So yeah, I think Rangers will be no different. I think if this carries on, eventually. Something will have to give uh, you know, the Rangers' financial situation, and you might you might find that players are asked to take some kind of deferral. Um, I mean, you mentioned Celtic. I mean, Celtic have obviously got money in the bank. Um, people probably think. No, I can I seen a headline uh, last week. I think it was in the record. Somebody saying might have been Dave Cormack saying. Every club, no except Celtic, will be will be impacted by this. I, I don't think Celtic. Uh, are exempt from it either. I think the blow for Celtic during this crisis is that the money reserves they've built up, you no, know, they're very cleverly built up as a business in terms of selling big big assets. And we're led to believe there's they've got around a you no know, kind of thirty million pound pot sitting there. The problem for Celtic is that that money, you know, if they don't ask players to take cuts or deferrals, which will be would be hard for Celtic players knowing that there is money at the club. But yeah. you no, know, if you've worked so hard and Celtic have worked so hard to build that money up, the the thought of it uh no being I don't know if squandered is the right word, you no, know, during this kind of health 
crisis, but for that money to go out the door with, with nothing coming back would be a, a huge blow to Celtic. So, so nobody th- should think because Celtic have got money in the bank that it won't it won't affect them because it will. Yeah, one of the things that strikes me about this is that often we come down very hard on one side or another on an issue, Scott, in journalism and just across football fans themselves. Yeah. But really on this one, there's just no easy answers. There's no, no. obvious moral decision-making process to make. Every single route that you go down is fraught with potential difficulty. We yeah. see this probably most prominently in the debate about the title. Now, I think if you're talking about sport and integrity and you're talking about maintaining uh, a level of uh, faith in our competitions and what our awards here in Scotland mean, you would say that the obvious thing to do with regards to this title, if it cannot be completed, would be to declare it null and void. However, there's the question of what follows a decision like that? You know, I, I know a lot of Rangers fans feel that way. That would be in their best interest, given they're 13 points behind Celtic at the moment. Absolutely. But there is also ramifications for Rangers if that was to happen. Serious financial ramifications. Uh, the potential legal elements that could follow that. TV money could be... Try, TV companies could try and claw back TV money. We're already seeing in, uh, in France, Canal Plus are withholding huge sums of money yeah. from, from League On. Um, there could be uh, claims made for season tickets in, in a null and void situation. Now, of course, the vast majority of fans, I think, would say, I'm not going to try and claim for that, but you're leaving yourself legally open to that kind of thing. I mean, where do you begin to start to draw a path through this, Scott? Yeah. It's so difficult. Well, you're right. Where, where do you start with it? Um, listen, I think you're right. Uh, ultimately, the, the bottom line uh, is what you said. Everyone wants the the season to be to be played to a finish. No, everyone wants that. Rangers, Celtic, it doesn't matter. No players, managers, whatever they want at some point for us to come back and get these games uh, over with, get to the end of the season, and get the trophies handed out. Now, listen, the, the Euros being postponed a year uh, obviously helps that. But when you're listening to the politicians and the health experts, you know, in terms of a timescale for this, it's difficult to see you know, football coming back any time before June or July. You're then going to have you know, a couple of months at least to try and get these games played. You're then... No, you're well into September, October, if you like, before you could you think about starting up a new, a new season... Um, and that's you no, know, that's assuming that we do get back to to playing in in June or July. It might even be longer than that. So you're right. You no, know, we'd want to get the games played, but if they can't be played in a in a kind of reasonable timescale, then as harsh as it, as harsh as it is on on many clubs, not just Celtic who are sitting top. You know, you're talking Dundee United in the Championship, Liverpool in the Premier League. You're you no know, two wins away if you're winning a winning a title. Unfortunately, I think the only uh, the only option that open to the to the league authorities would be to to declare it null and void if it goes that far that it's just that it's irretrievable in terms of in terms of starting the, the following season. Um, I know what you're saying in terms of you know, legalities and you know, the ramifications of it. 
I'm not sure in terms of Scotland and the, the TV money. I mean, Sky are signed up to uh, Scottish football for the next, what, four or five years. Obviously, it's Sky and BT at the moment. No, I would be amazed even if the season was, was declared null and void. I'd be amazed if Sky or BT, for that matter, tried to recoup um, some of the money for the for the unfinished season. Just because we've spoken about how much it's going to affect these clubs. I mean, if Sky were to try and withhold money or try and get money back off the clubs due to an unfinished season, no, there might not be any clubs for the next two or three years you know, in terms of mm. clubs getting out of business. And I'm talking about top flight clubs who you know, Sky are obviously going to have the most, most coverage of. So I'm not sure how big those concerns would be uh, in terms of the financial ramifications of a null and void, but ultimately, as you say, it's fluid. It's none of us really know. We don't know about time scales yet. It's it's simply a case of taking it a week at a time, listening to advice, um, and hoping that we somehow get this get this season back and you know they can get it played, even if it is over the summer and have a late a late start to the next campaign. I don't think we'll play football against Scott. That's my take on what I've read so far. I think that clubs out with uh, Rangers are just desperate to get some clarity as to where they go from here. And if that means calling time on the season as it stands, provided something can be done about hearts, which will obviously be a sport and integrity issue as well, I don't think there's going to be a lot of sympathy for the position that, well, there's a sport and integrity issue here with regards to who would win the title. Yeah. What I do think, Scott, is if they do call the league, as I suspect they will, with Celtic as champions, Yeah. from Rangers fans' point of view, I think that would be, it would happen because the clubs were wanting to urgently get clarity, draw a line under the season, agree yeah, to the payouts for the, for the standings. It wouldn't be any kind of conspiracy. But from Rangers fans' point of view, I don't necessarily think it would be the worst thing in the world from the sort of the the, the sort of Glasgow banter triumphalism yeah. thing. Because know, at the end of the day, you, you can't re- you know, they'll all there for me there will always be that that element of yes, Celtic were, were clear. Um they were significantly clear, but the season didn't finish. So it will yeah. always be that season will have an asterisk saying coronavirus shutdown. Yeah, so is it nine so, in a row then? I mean, that is in the eye of the holder. You know, Celtic <laughs> fans will say that, yes, absolutely, it's nine in a row. What more can Celtic do? And Rangers fans will say it doesn't count. Yeah. And and that's the way it will, it will continue for years and years and years. I mean, yeah. Juventus were stripped of titles. Um for their part in that scandal, uh, which I can't pronounce back in Italy, um, with regards to various indiscretions. And their fans still argue about that, you know, writ large, about whether or not those titles count and how many titles they have. It's always going to be part of the bragging rights, that element of it. Juventus um, fans are saying now that they don't want this title, do they? I yeah, that's that it. Yeah. yeah, and and listen, I don't think I know there's a lot of nonsense and stuff on social media. We see it every day, but I don't think any true Celtic fan, no, any proper Celtic fan, would want the title given to them like this. No. I mean, they'll believe 
no, one hundred percent that they're going to be they're going to be champions, uh, or they would be champions, and it's hard to obviously it's hard to argue with that. But I don't think any real Celtic fans would want to get the title like this, and no, for the reasons you have mentioned, because you will look back in twenty, thirty years, and no, and they would say no, that that was the years we did we did ten in a row, uh, or nine in a row, or ten in a row. And then you would say, well, what happened that season? Oh, yeah, that that's the season we were we were ten points clear, but there was still, uh, well, still ten games to go or thirteen games to go, whatever it is. So, yeah, they wouldn't want it that way either. Um, but I tend to agree with you. I think, you know, although we are saying that logically uh, and logistically it would probably be easier, you no, know, in terms of a, a null and void season. I think the pressure. Uh, Know that you mentioned the pressure from clubs to get to get the clarity, even more importantly, to get that that placings money that you spoke about. When I spoke to a couple of managers this week, um, sorry, last week, who both mentioned that 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 money uh, is vital to them and they need it in as soon as possible. Um, when you think the you no know, the SPFL is, is effectively made up of the clubs, then when when that pressure is there, then I think. Um, no, when they do, if they do have to stop the season, I think they will probably all agree <clears throat> just to call Celtic champions and, and get Dundee United up. But as you say, there's complications with, with relegation and stuff like that that they're going to need to sort out. Yeah, for Rangers as a club to really, really push back against that happening, they would be going up against, I think, a large proportion of Scottish football who, as I've already explained just want to get themselves out of this hole or or even yeah. to understand how deep the hole is so they yeah, can, exactly. can, be, can begin to dig themselves out. But I think there are opportunities for Scottish football to make some improvements here, Scott, because as part of this, and for Rangers as a club to get some of the things they want, as part of this, I think there's going to be an appetite to restructure Scottish football because as much as there are sporting integrities issues about Celtic being champions. There are also issues about Hearts being relegated. Yeah. And, and I think the 14-team league, I think, will happen. Um, and as part of that, Scott, I suspect... Can you, see that, can, you, can you see that happening as quickly, this quickly, Johnny, even, even as a result of this crisis? I mean, I know it's... We keep saying the word, no, it is unprecedented, but I just think of it. No, the SPFL, Scottish football, SFA, I mean, the time it takes them to do anything. Um, I mean, we've been talking about restructuring <clears throat> for so many years now. It took them years just to bring in playoffs to Scottish football, which every no, every fan in the street was crying out for, but they couldn't seem to, seem to yeah. get it through. I know there is, no, these are uh, difficult circumstances, but... I must admit, I would be, I'd be surprised if you immediately seen a, no, such a, a huge restructuring job on these on these leagues um, from these organisations. Uh, in terms of getting it done that quickly, I'd be, I'd be amazed. Yeah, I think the difference this time is that you tend to work faster when you've got a fire under your backside. Yeah, you know? sure. and there's a, there's a certainly a financial fire region. Um, and again, it's about clarity. Uh, so this would it would not only solve a Hearts issue, but I feel like Rangers and Celtic have an element to play here as well. 
Craig Mulholland had some very interesting comments to make in an interview he was giving on Rangers' website last night. He was talking about, he was actually answering questions from fans, and some of it was quite, quite fascinating what he was saying. He described Rangers having a Colt team as critical yeah. to the, the future development of the player pathway at the club. And I don't think you should underestimate how keen both Rangers and Celtic are to have this element brought in. And oh, they're it's not popular, Scott, but perhaps yeah. this is the way and this is the time and this is the payoff for getting that in. Now, listen, I don't know how high Rangers would would uh, classify having a Colt team on their list of agenda for things to do, but yeah. I suspect it would be quite high and if they make that uh, a stipulation in terms of agreeing to any kind of restructuring, um, and I would imagine Celtic would be on the same boat, yeah, I think that would be an element that could keep them happy. And personally, I think it would be an improvement for Scottish football. I think that would be a, a really, really good thing for young players. You know, anyone who's been in journalism talking to people in yeah, yeah. The, the sort of grassroots or the academy level of football always says, up until about the age of 17, 16, 17, our players are as good as they are anywhere else. If you yeah, look at even but, the, un- but, the, the underage groups for Scotland, the results are decent. I, it's I the lack of football the, between 17 and 20. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, I'm in favour of the, the Colts teams going in, but as you touched on, there's been so much opposition from uh, well, from lower league clubs, I, I think. I might be totally wrong, but I think at the last can I count, no, it was like like eighty percent or something. SPFL clubs uh, were were against it. Um, certainly below the below the Premiership. Um, mm. So I'm not sure. No, would that have changed? Would that have changed dramatically due to, due to everything that's happened, or uh, at the at the prospect of of a restructuring? Would would your Stenhouse Muirs and Cowden Beaths and stuff suddenly have changed the Changed their mind about getting the Colts teams in. I'm not sure. Um, I think it should. Uh, I think it should be brought in. I don't think it would just help Rangers and Celtic. I think it would ultimately help the the whole of Scottish football. But again, I'm not sure how close they'll be to getting that getting that through. You're right. Listen, if they change to the 14 team and they do restructure the leagues, it might make it slightly easier for them uh, to to make it happen. But again. I go back to my point. You no, know, the SPFL, SFA, you no, know, they are not renowned for getting things done and getting things done quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I, I wouldn't hold my breath with any of that stuff. Okay, well, it's going to be fascinating to see how that pans out. They've certainly got a lot of time on their hands to <laughs> get around the table. Well, not get around the table, get around the virtual table and and discuss <laughs> these cool. issues. Listen, before we go, Scott, just wanted to touch on some fines that were handed out to Rangers. Um, today from UEFA, £10,000 for a fan who ran on the pitch um, in the 3-2 win over Braga, Um, €5,250 for a firework, and and then incredibly, Scott, a £5,250 for the Buckfast bottle that was uh, slung on the pitch after the third goal against Leverkusen. Uh, Do you think the club have uh, really dodged a bullet there? I think in terms of the bottle getting thrown on, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Um, 
no, it could have been a kind of temporary uh, closure again of, of part of the part of the stadium or part part of one of the stands. I mean, no, a glass bottle. I mean, listen, you see objects not getting thrown on quite regular at games, particularly abroad. But it's usually like no cartons or plastic cups or, or stuff like that. To see a glass bottle getting thrown on, it's pretty unusual. Obviously, very dangerous. So. You're right. I think to pick up a five grand fine for the glass bottle going on is uh, is possibly a lucky a lucky escape. Um, but I must admit, when I, when I read about these fines this morning, um, obviously coming through online, my kind of first reaction was just what a waste, what a waste of money. I mean, we we don't hear talking about how difficult it is for clubs, uh, you know, all over Scotland during this uh, during this crisis. And to think that Rangers um, are going to effectively throw away uh, throw away that money on on fines for the, the kind of stupidity of of one or two one or two punters, no one guy running on the pitch, somebody else throwing a glass bottle. I mean, it is lunacy um, to be throwing money like that away for these these incidents. And I don't know what else Rangers can do. That you no know, punters have been warned enough times. I think there's actually a lot of Self-policing actually goes on now. With, with, with fans in terms of uh, other supporters are getting are getting fed up with this as well. So um, it has to stop. But certainly at this at this particular moment, in terms of where we are as a uh, in, in society, you know, to be to be throwing money away like that just seems so so unnecessary. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think as you say though, there was that sense that perhaps. This could be the the trigger for a perhaps a full stadium closure or or a more draconian yeah. stadium closure in terms of previous games they've had three or I think three thousand fans walked um, off but I thought perhaps this could be the straw that broke the camel's back on a on a bigger one so so to to receive a five thousand fine for that especially given the ten thousand fine for a fan runner on the pitch which. I suppose you would you would imagine that would be less dangerous than a glass bottle, but yeah. it's the way you, uh, UEFA uh, work these fines. Uh, it's, it's, especially it's, if if the fan had ran on to maybe confront opposition players or something, it might have been deemed more dangerous. But I mean, I think I'm right in saying the fan who ran on ran on and just kind of jumped on the, the Rangers players celebrating a goal, didn't they? So yeah. I mean, it didn't it didn't seem that dangerous at the time, even though you don't like to see supporters getting onto the pitch. Um, so you're right, it is a wee bit strange. Um, maybe they thought, uh, maybe they thought Buckfast was plastic bottles. That's <laughs> a, a five five grand fine. Yeah, but you you obviously know you obviously know different, Johnny. You know you know Buckfast oh, oh, big, only comes in glass. Not I me. Mean? Big Buckfast drinker, Scott. Um, <laughs> hadn't even heard of it until I moved through to the west coast. <laughs> no, nah, obviously it, it does exist in Edinburgh, but not in the same extent as it as no. it does. In Glasgow. Right, uh, that's going to be all from us today, Scott. I think we're going to call it a day there. If you want to continue the debate, you can do so. We are on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. If you enjoy the podcast, and we know many of you do, get onto iTunes and give us a five star review as this helps us get the podcast out to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, we hope that to be next week. Uh, we should be back on track now, now that we've got the, the technology sorted out. Thanks for listening.